Hey, before we get started, I uh, have some exciting news. The Rise Around Table podcast is going to be changing names. We're going to be moving to a new format, and we're going to change our name to A Wiser Retirement. We think that this reflects uh, more what our topics are about week to week, and we are uh, excited to start with a new quarterly theme uh, really uh, about investing, which uh, is something that uh, we happen to be pretty good at around here. Uh, three ways to grow and protect your portfolio will be our focus for the first quarter of 2022. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, we get wonderful feedback uh, from our listeners. Reach out to us anytime with maybe topics that you'd like to hear about. And we will see you in 2022 under the name A Wiser Retirement. Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts today, Brad Lyons, Matthews Barnett, and Jordan Sudi. Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. How's it going? So we got the gang back together. We've uh, had a whole quarter of uh, mix and match, and I think it's been uh, it's been good. Tax topics are difficult because um, unless you're paying a lot of it, you don't pay much attention to it. So... <laughs> it's been uh it's been interesting um uh to kind of kind of work through these uh 10 important things to know about taxes. Uh I will say to start off um thank you Jordan for joining us this quarter and we will plan on having you back as many times as <laughs> you want to make the drive over here. Thanks for having me. I've had fun. Good. It's been fun. Um Jordan is a Sudi CPA. You can find them at sudicpa.com. Uh, we have a long history of working very well together with uh, Sudi CPA, uh, being able to easily pass information back and forth for common clients. Uh, and so it was a natural fit to add them to our tax podcast for this final quarter of the year. The um, other things have happened, I feel like, over the last at least two quarters. I mean, Matthews over here is having the best year of his life. You know, he's getting, he got engaged, right? We just announced we um, have uh, promoted him to no longer financial specialist, but our financial planning specialist, but also financial planner. So he has uh, he, he has his own support people now. Been busy. It's been good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, and so it's been a it's been a good. Uh, I think I think it's been a good good quarter. Uh, Wiser itself this year. We're recording this just prior to the end of the year, but growth rate is up over sixty two percent year-to-date um, and adding clients and then our assets that we manage on behalf of clients. And, you know, we do track our hourly clients as well. And um, we have helped a record number of people on an hourly, hourly basis. Uh, so it has been a great uh, 2021. It was even a great 2020, honestly. We we had that little blip there uh, at the beginning, obviously. But Well, that's the first I've heard it described as that little blip. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, it was, though. You know, it's the thing about asset management is, man, it's so easy to freak out when the sky's falling or you think the sky's falling. But in the end, when you look back, it's just this little tiny, it's almost like a little check mark in the in the graph. You know, Uh, it's hard. It's hard to keep um, keep your cool. But uh, we have a great team here and we didn't have any clients that uh, lost it over uh, over the covid drop. Thank goodness. And they're much more prosperous now because of it. So let's kind of dive into this. Um, we've got, uh, uh, this is kind of our uh, last podcast, uh, obviously on tax. I mentioned that earlier, but but also it's our last podcast as uh, the roundtable. 
we've tried something new in 2020 and said, Hey, we should, we should start a podcast and, and start talking about everything that we know and just throw it all out there. And we had to come up with a name and no one could come up with a name. And they said, well, what, what's the podcast going to be about? I said, I don't know. We, we're just going to pick something that we think is relevant at the time and, and we'll start talking about it. And that worked for a little while. We did the first five podcasts, I think is just like our philosophies on things and how we think about investing. Those really haven't changed, but that theme kind of carried through uh, the rest of the podcast as well. And so we came up with the round table because we're literally sitting at a round table and the idea is that, you know, it goes back to the boardroom, right? So if you have a long table, you have a head of the table, (laughs) right? It's like Thanksgiving dinner, you know, dad's here. Then who's going to sit on the other, the other head of the table, right? It's always, it's always oldest, I think, but um, this is my family. At the round table, everyone has an equal voice. And so that's what we try to create through this process. But in reality, um, most of the stuff we talk about is retirement. And honestly, when you look at the downloads, that's what people want to hear. People want to hear things that that uh, are, are associated with reti- being in retirement or getting ready for retirement. Uh, and so we're going to start shifting. Still, we'll have a diversified uh, list of topics. But uh, Hadley here, our marketing person, has done a great job of saying, hey, you guys can't just jump on over topic and topic. We need to keep to a theme each quarter. So we're going to roll into next year with a new theme and a new name. Uh, we're going to call the show a Wiser Retirement Podcast, kind of a play on our company name. Um, and then on the Wiser Retirement Podcast, uh, our first theme for the quarter is going to be focused on three ways to grow and protect your investments. And I'm excited about this. Um, we don't have to do much prep for these topics because we have been ingrained Bradford, what, 30 years, myself for 21 years, Matthews for 15 years on how to manage assets. Managing assets is the easy part of our business. Um, I'd say the planning sometimes can be rather contentious, not, not because of the clients, but because of government changes and, and the rules, you know, the goalposts keep getting moved on, on certain items. So it's, you're always chasing that. I tell clients a lot of times, 75% of our time is spent planning. 25% is spent, you know, actually managing the assets. That's, that's fairly straightforward. Um, but anyway, I'm excited about that. Hope you guys are too. The, um, uh, so let's kind of recap what we've done up to this point. Uh, we have how to find the right CPA. Um, you know, I struggle with that because the, you know, we, <laughs> before we, we had uh, Michael Sudi and, and Jordan and David, I would hire CPAs to work in our office. And what I found is CPAs and attorneys that are solo, meaning they don't have any support people. They just work by themselves. There's a reason it's because they don't work well with others and they don't communicate well. And it was so frustrating to be a firm like ours that communicates well. And then you refer your client literally to someone across the hall from you and they can't return a phone call or email. That was frustrating. Right. Yeah. Um, I, we were doing a continuing education course yesterday and there was a line in there that I thought was funny. Um, CPAs don't get excited about dull Wait, oh, I just, I messed it up. I'm going to have to start over. It was the funniest joke. Hold on. That's hilarious. Okay. No, no, no. It's That's funny. our first blooper. That's right. So yesterday we were doing a continuing education course and there was a line that was pretty funny about CPAs. And it was that CPAs aren't dull people. They just get excited about dull things. And so I think taxes are a very dull thing, but you need to find somebody who is excited to learn and excited to 
continue growing and continue learning about all the changes that are happening literally every single year now. I think it's also important, obviously, just to, to looking at CPAs because we see a lot of clients that are managing it themselves um, just through random tax software. And, uh, you know, to some point, some complexity, that's fine. But eventually, right. uh, it's not just about filing taxes, it's about proactively uh, planning throughout the year. So that can really help uh, individuals and families. Right. Then you have specialization as well, don't you, Jordan? Mm-hmm. You know, or uh, certain CPAs, at least either at an individual level or at a firm level, you know, they're going to specialize in, in real estate transactions or commercial transactions or your basic, you know, family, you know, tax returns. And you want to find somebody who specializes in what your circumstance, you know, is, right. right? And a good CBA won't try to do it all. You know, they'll, if they hear your circumstances and it doesn't fit what they do, they'll lead you to the right, the right person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that comes down to like living abroad, paying foreign taxes and, living here in the U.S. I think I've sent a few of those you guys way and you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we have, uh, yeah, farmers. I mean, that's a whole different ball game. People farm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Those, those are definitely different specialties. Just like there's uh, different doctors that do different things. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Number two, uh, donor advised fund benefits. Um, you know, it, it's not too late. Well, it's probably too late now to create a donor advised fund for 2021 and fund it and getting all that done. But Hey, there's always next year. Um, you haven't done it already. Uh, but this, what a, what a great way to be able to, um, save on taxes immediately and then take your time and how you want to disperse, uh, funds or even allow funds to a fund to build. So maybe it's just the income that that's gifted every year and you're leaving a, a consistent legacy going forward. You know what it's not too late for, um, kind of piggybacking off the charitable donations. It's not too late to stack your donations. So maybe you're not, you know, using a donor advised fund, but you regularly give to your church or your charity of choice. And maybe you're not hitting that itemized deduction limit every year, but you would if maybe you did two years in one. So instead of, you know, writing a big check in January and a big check in December, maybe you write two checks in December and it allows you to get over that hump of the itemized deductions for the year. And thus you get the benefit and your charity still getting the kind of drawn out benefit. You know, you're not hurting them in any way, but you're also helping yourself. I think that's, um, that's one of the benefits of having a CPA looking over your taxes versus, um, using some of the software that's out there. It's just not common. You think that they, you know, they double the standard deduction. So people just assume that they can take that and it doesn't make any sense to, to give to charity, but there are options out there. Like you said, with the bunching of, of donations or a donor vice fund in the future. Yeah. Uh, tax, tax credits that help the community. We had a lot of fun with this. We had a couple of guests come in talking specifically about goal, Georgia goal. Um, you know, we, we, I pay a lot of state tax and, for me, it's nice to know that um, uh, it's just not going to the general fund and that I can direct exactly where I want it to go. So I, I was able to put $10,000 into my kid's school to go toward people who maybe um, it's a stretch for them to, to, to go to their school. And so now that's a $10,000 scholarship um, that gets used right away. It's not sitting there in an endowment or anything. Um, we also talked about uh, uh, the hospital credit, mm-hmm. rural hospital credit. No, we're not really in a rural area here. But um, Wellstar has a uh, Sylvan Grove that's been, uh, it's actually closed out. It received its max mm-hmm. for this year. And I think Hart, I think they'd reached their cap um, from like a Georgia revenue standpoint, but I don't believe Goal had when mm-hmm. we had done the episode. So there's still a chance to take advantage of the Goal credit for yep. 2021. 
Correct. And that was, I think that was probably one of my favorite episodes was hearing about the impacts that those tax credits have, especially on the schools. Um, it's amazing, you know, the, the impact that you can have with your tax dollars. Uh, number four was moving to a tax-friendly state. I don't know, moving sounds horrible to me. <laughs> but I guess if I was, if I, something could convince me is it was uh, advantageous to uh, move move a business to a different state and it'd save thousands of dollars in taxes. Maybe that make me perk up, but there's too many boxes in my basement. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about you know looking at moving to a tax-friendly state, I mean, every state has its budget and every state has its its citizens and its needs, and they have to raise that money somehow. Some of them do it just with state income tax, and some do it without a state income tax. But if they're doing it without a state income tax, they're raising taxes elsewhere. They're raising revenue elsewhere. And so as you consider you know, moving to a more tax-friendly state, one that may not have a state income tax, although that makes the headline, right? Zero state income tax. It may be that their local tax is high. It may be that their retail tax is high. It may be that their gas tax is high, et cetera. So all these things can be calculated and figured in when making this decision to move to another location. The primary should be that that's where you want to live. Unless you live in like Manhattan, then any place is cheaper. <laughs> California. If you live in Manhattan, you probably aren't thinking about it too much. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a lot of people are coming out of there. Uh, but even in Georgia, uh, was it uh, age 65 and below 80,000? You don't pay state tax? Yes, that's correct. You get 40 apiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> I always joke with that. I was like, say, we, that's how we compete with Florida so we don't lose all our old people to Florida. <laughs> and I think that episode was, we also talked about, all right, what if you have to move? You know, what do you do when you have to move? Like, how do you sep- suffer ties with? you know, your state. And we talked about it kind of being like a breakup, you know, you have to take some steps to make sure that one state, you know, say Manhattan can't come back in and claw your income back into their state. So just as important as considering which state to live in is making sure if you have to move, you're doing, taking the right steps. You're going to break up. You got to break up the right way. Yeah. Hard hard cut. Yeah. Cut all the ties. Yes. 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 Um, Yeah. I was surprised by that, but actually it makes sense. I mean, I, I think that episode was, was really, the theme of that was probably more like, um, don't cheat the system. Right. Don't try to cheat the system. Right. I mean, if you're really moving, why wouldn't you be registering the vote and changing your car and and changing your bank statements and everything? Why, you know, the, the only other way I could see it is if you kept a home in the prior state, that creates a lot of gray area. So you have to be very careful right. yeah. that you really did move. I still like your story about uh, the guy getting audited and, the only reason the IRS left him alone was, uh, or the Department of Revenue for the state, mm-hmm. I guess, left him alone was uh, because he took his dog with him. It's like, oh, if you took your dog, then you definitely moved. Of course moved. you moved, duh. Of course yeah. you moved. It <laughs> didn't matter about the car or the registration, <laughs> but you took your dog. Yeah. That dog paid for itself. It probably. did, yep. <laughs> uh, maximize retirement savings. So we had a fun with that episode, uh, talking a lot about how... Uh, Investing money into your 401k is a great way to uh, save on taxes. And for a lot of people, that's almost all they have is pre-tax savings. Pre-tax savings, 401ks, we mentioned before, if not with with IRAs. In Georgia, you can get a slight deduction, uh, 529 plans. Uh, And also, you know, uh, often overlooked one that we discussed was uh, health savings accounts. A lot of times people 
uh, don't understand exactly how those work, that they can get the deduction, it grows tax-free, and that they can use those for qualified health expenses. So uh, those are also a nice added benefit with, with HSAs as well. We had a couple in here, uh, I guess this last week, both worked for companies that didn't offer 401k plans. We don't see that very often, but it's probably pretty common. There's a lot of businesses that don't offer 401k plans. Um, you can still put money into an IRA, no matter what your income is, if you don't if have access to a 401k plan. Right. You know, it, it's a sizable uh, commitment by a company to offer a 401k. There's a cost associated with it. There, then there's an audit know. associated yeah. with it. There's some paperwork. So, Look, you know, it, there's it, a lot that just don't want to do it. Like, I'm a business owner. I I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, why wouldn't you offer at least a simple IRA to your employees? You can do a simple IRA. It has no admin costs. You have to match 3% of their income. And they can, it's a little dangerous. They can go literally go invest whenever they want to inside a brokerage account. But you, you can put some parameters around if you work with an advisor. But it doesn't cost you anything. And then a safe harbor 401k plan. Go create a safe harbor 401k plan. Now, that could cost you 400 bucks a month. So there's some added costs. If you got a new startup company, that, that could be real money. But, man. It's a good I mean, way to attain the right employees that you're looking for, obviously, with benefits like health insurance and, and certain uh, it is. Re- retirement plans. I mean, you mentioned IRAs could be the option outside of that. But you can only put in 6000 into an IRA or 7000 if over 50. That's significantly less than 20500 which you could do next year. But at least with the simple, there's that 3% match. You can put in 13500 if you're under 50. Still twice as much. And what I, what I, I guess, you know, we've had some younger businesses with very young business owners come through and over the years. And what they say is, oh, my employees aren't asking for this. And it's like, yeah, but... <laughs> They, it's like children, you know, they don't always, they don't ask to go to school. You just right. send them. Right. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, these people are here to take care of you. Why aren't you taking care of them? And that, that, that I just, that just, that just bothers me. And then, then you've got ones that say, yeah, I offer a four on K plan. They could start pounding their chest and it's like an insurance based one, you know, or it's mutual fund based, like it's American funds, whoever. And they're literally getting charged 4.25% commission for every dollar that goes into the account. And I shake my head about that too. And, and obviously um, you can't, not everyone can be an expert about this. Like we are, Mm -hmm. but it's almost, I just get, it's like, I just get angry with the regulators. Like, why would you even allow that to happen? That people lose 4.25% for every dollar they put into their 401k plan. This is, it's it's crazy. But anyway, there's an easy fix. Um, And there are so many startups right now out there in the 401k space that are offering very low cost 401k plans, um, for your company. And, and, you know, but at the, at the minimum do a simple, uh, we've had clients start with simple IRAs and they kind of graduated to a 401k after they saw how well it was working. Um, you can do it payroll deduct, uh, ADP software will calculate how much is supposed to go into that simple IRA and it'll automatically send a check to the custodian. So it can be very automated to where the business owner doesn't really have to think about it. Tax strategies to avoid and how to negotiate with the IRS. Don't be Wesley Snipes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people get really scared of this IRS letters, and I get it. Um, But if you're preparing taxes and you had a good year, but you're still cash poor, hey, maybe something really good happened. You paid off all your debt, and then now, (laughs) but you forgot about the IRS at the end of the year. Right. Um, They're very easy to work with. 
if, if you owe less than $50,000, you don't even have to talk to anybody on the phone. You just go online and pick out your own payment plan. It gets yep. approved. They'll auto deduct it from your checking account. Hopefully you can get out from under it in a few months, but maybe, maybe it takes a couple of years. The worst thing you can do is stick your head in the sand. Yeah. Don't do that. And do nothing. Correct. That's when you find out there's other people who want to come on up to your house and put liens on it. <laughs> and it's always important just even if you are behind to file on time, because I mean, the penalties for failure to file, I mean, failure to pay isn't too awful, but the fa- failure to file penalty can really start to stack up and just can be really detrimental to some people. So even if you're falling behind, just try to file every time or every year on time, file that extension, give yourself as much time as possible. Definitely recommend that to help keep yourself above water a little bit. I also liked on that episode, we talked about the scams to avoid, you know, like the dirty dozen, I think we went through, right? Um, which I learned about some things in that episode that scammers are out there doing. That's just wild. So I think the key takeaway from that was don't answer the phone and talk to the IRS because they're not calling. Yeah. That's no, not, yeah, it's not that's, them. That's right. Not that's them. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's some crazy things that have happened. Um, uh, all we t- everything we talked about, obviously in that, that section, um, utilize tax loss harvesting. So that, that's, uh, that's something that, um, I don't think do it yourself investors do very well. And it's something that some brokers don't do very well, but most firms, independent firms should be doing this very well because there's software that helps you figure this stuff out. But, um, basically it's, you have gains and losses, and you have opportunities throughout the year to be able to sell those losses, move into something similar, but not the same as the security that you had. And you can write off up this $3,000 a year net. So if you had a $50,000 loss and a um, $47,000 gain, you could write off $3,000 in the end. Mm-hmm. Or, and if you don't write it off in that one, you can carry it forward. Correct. So, um, you know, Brad, you're, you're the king of that around here. Well, it has an added benefit of your adding return on an after-tax basis to your overall portfolio. So by utilizing the opportunities that exist, now nobody wants to see losses in their portfolio, but when they do occur, you know, let's let's take advantage of it. Let's sell off those securities. Let's buy, you know, for a short period of 30 days, a similar security, but not exactly like security utilize the tax loss harvesting methodology go back into the original security if you still like it uh due to a it's just gone through a a short-term depressed price period you know and then write it off your taxes you know take advantage of the tax bill and so we find that that by doing this you're able to uh, increase the net after-tax return of, of a portfolio and individual investors have a hard time with that not because they necessarily don't know how, but they're emotionally attached well, yes. to the stocks. Their, their fear is that they're going to sell it and then it's going to go up. Well, keep in mind, it's an individual investor. <laughs> they picked that stock. Right. They, yes. Whatever true. due diligence they did, they did. And they picked that stock. And now to sell it is to recognize that, well, maybe it wasn't the best idea they had that day. And that's difficult. So I can't blame them. Um, but they're missing out on an opportunity that is provided to them through the IRS tax code. They should take advantage of it. That's why I like index funds so much better than individual securities. Now, I understand that, that you know, there's a Tesla and the Google out there, but there's also Enron and other scary stuff. Uh, and stuff. And companies are supposed to do great 
like Amazon. It's been kind of flat this last year relative to the overall market. Right. But, you know, you buy the index fund, like, you know, S&P 500, and you have a COVID crash, you're down 30%. Then you sell it and you buy Vanguard large cap fund, which is very, very similar, right? And and you just created a $30,000 loss, right? It's nothing personal. And you're buying the stocks right right back just in a slightly different formula on the other side. Right? Yeah, it's not like you're getting out of the market. <laughs> and you're you're no, buying something no, no. Yes. very similar. And then you can always, after 30 days, go back and buy this, the same fund. So it's just a good way to help reduce some taxes to your advantage when the market does drop. That That's a good point, Matthews. It is not market timing at right. all. There's no. nothing. You're out of the market for, for maybe a millisecond. That's, right. that's about it. If you do it right. Because you're using the proceeds to buy back that similar security immediately. And in today's world where transaction costs are zero on a lot of brokerage platforms, you know, it's becomes a net net position in your portfolio. Right. Podcasts are the, uh, uh, number eight was, uh, S corp, C corp, LLC tax differences. That was, uh, that was a bit of a head spinner. It was, <laughs> there was a lot going on in that episode. <laughs> Choose carefully. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why anybody would start off as a C, but. I mean, it, most people should probably just be S-Corps right. in my mind uh, is what we got out of all that. You know, we don't, we, we tell people, yeah, put properties in LLCs, create some, you know, cheap protection from right. liability. But I, I wouldn't say that uh, we're the first stop for, do I do an SC or an LLC? Probably a lot of businesses start with LLC and they kind of grow into S-Corp, I think is how it yes. ends up being. But uh, that, that was, that was interesting to prepare for. Number nine, tax deductions for business owners. So tax deductions that people are missing. Uh, I get this question all the time. We have, we have a lot of business owner clients here and say, like, hey, what am I missing on my taxes? They think like there's some, there's some magic mm-hmm. sitting out there that, you know, no one's paying taxes except me. And that's, hey, if you're profitable and you have a tax problem, that's good. Right. That's actually a good. That's a good problem to have. Uh, but there are some basic things that we covered on that list that um, that probably a lot of people are missing. One that I like to tell is minutes, meetings, your your annual meeting. I don't know if we covered it in that podcast. I don't podcast. think we did. This is a bonus. There we go. So if you if you own your business, you are supposed to be having annual an annual meeting where you update your minutes and you do shareholder type decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, most business owners don't do that. They should be because that's the easiest way to pierce the corporate veil is to say, you know, if there's a lawsuit, Hey, this is not really a business. This is just them operating under different name because look, they don't even have minutes and they keep all their personal stuff is inside the checking account. We did cover that. Do remember that? But, you can you can have a travel day covered as an expense. You can have a meeting day and another travel day at a minimum. You might be able to get with two days in the middle. So if your wife's also a shareholder in the company, then why not have a shareholder meeting? <clears throat> Go to Tahiti. You get two days to travel that far. Yep. <laughs> you get one day you can deduct there. And then you might be able to get away with two. And then uh, two days to travel back home. And you can cover the airfare and you can cover at least one or two nights. So maybe Tahiti's a little extreme. Yeah. But Florida. 
It's funny you say that because I was doing a return this past season, and um, they have a, a rental. They have rental properties. A couple. Oh of yeah, guys. this is one trip per entity. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> I stumbled across their minutes um, that they had from their you know Destin beach vacation, and it was just it was probably a little drawn out of a meeting, you know, over a four day vacation to discuss <laughs> right. two rental properties. But, um, I appreciated the effort for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four days, a little, little much, a little much. Yeah. Well, this is a really big company. Then maybe you could argue with lots of shareholders, but then it's not a family vacation anymore. It's just work. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think people miss that one, but yeah, you get one per entity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you have a vacation home that you, it's in a rental program, that's a that's an LLC. Yeah. That's an annual meeting. Yeah, and you got to be reasonable about it, but there is oh, the yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely sure. reasonable. Yes. <laughs> not four days. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, okay, ten thirty one exchange. So this is something that a lot of people just don't know that much about, and right. the ten thirty one exchange uh, basically, you know, you sell an investment property, you have all these gains. If you're going to pay capital gains tax on that. Mm-hmm. Where if you have another property selected, either beforehand or within, I think, what, 45 days, um, then you have the ability to take your capital gains and roll it into the new property. Yeah. So you don't have that that tax. So you just keep rolling that through. Right. And then there's all these nuances, which we covered in that episode. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a good something if you have investment properties it's something to know about before you're thinking about selling because we have so many people call the day before closing and they're like how do i defer this tax and we're like oh it's too late it's a little too late yeah you almost have to do it when um uh, during the uh contract phase you yeah know, when you're getting in the agreement that's right. i think that's where you have to start doing that yeah I and mean, you really should be thinking about it even before you sell you know and then yeah engaging in that during the contract period for sure Right, because you have to have the intermediary that's going to hold the assets, and you have right. to have the property that you're looking into. So it, yeah. it's definitely a process. It's not last minute. Yeah. Well, um, I hope every all our listeners uh, were able to draw something out of the ten important things to know about taxes. We are putting this one in the vault, seal it away, <laughs> and we're going to come out on the other side as a uh, wiser retirement podcast. With me, Brad, and Matthews, and Jordan, as much as she'll make the drive. And uh, it's been fun. Happy New Year. And I'll see you guys on the other side. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.